You're listening to Plasticity, making art from inherited waste, where your hosts, Griffin Nordstrom and me, Dominica Queen, talk about our ongoing work with waste plastics as an art medium. A big thing about producing with plastics that we haven't talked about yet is this sort of underlying climate, environmental crisis, climate countdown dread that's just sort of an underlying feeling throughout the entire plastics process and how that can actually have a real mental health drain, just constantly sort of being reminded of something that feels very helpless, very dystopian, and just very frustrating and depressing in general. So we want to sort of take some time to sort of talk about how that fits in and is just a part of working with plastics. Before I was even working with any of this plastic stuff, I was, this was a really big deal to me. I remember I was in sort of my 12 to 14 year old tweens. Like I was becoming informed and worried about all this, which was kind of weird at the same age where it was a lot of people talking about, you know, Minecraft. It was sort of, I love Minecraft. (laughs) Also, everything's dying. And maybe I (laughs) won't have grandkids, which is a weird, a weird mental headspace. Oh my gosh. This just framed up the generation gap between us oh. because <laughs> I, I had the pain of growing up thinking we were going to fix something and then realizing we apparently have not. <laughs> so, like, Bill Nye was my era. It was like, yes, everything's on fire, but it's okay. We have science. We're doing studies. We're figuring it out, okay? (laughs) So we're just going to, we're going to figure it out. And then it's like, okay, we've figured it out, uh, but we're not going to do anything about it. And I think that that is roughly when you came onto the scene. We figured it out, but we're not doing anything about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty accurate. You know, when I was growing up, it was sort of like, I got Mr. Rogers, but also Mr. Rogers died when I was a kid, and Bill Nye was sort of retired, so it was sort of like, I heard of Bill Nye, and I knew people who, like, you know, in science classrooms, they just always would watch Bill Nye, and everyone loves science because of Bill Nye. I think I've watched one Bill Nye episode in my entire life, so it's not like that was in my frame. It was just sort of, you know, hey, there's this 10-year-old going on strike in Sweden and oh now we have a climate countdown if nothing changed and oh over the past six years of my life nothing has changed Ooh, bad sign Ooh, ooh, yes yeah Yeah, every day oh yeah the undercurrent of dystopia and dread that is pretty much inherent to the medium we're working with is a real factor and I I think that that might be why I haven't been able to, like, I like a lot of things, so I'll pick something and then I'll move right along, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll spend, like, a you know, six months to a year, like, really obsessed with making chocolate mousse or something like that, <laughs> and then I'll just, I'll just keep going, or, like, yeah. I'll just get really into gardening one year, and then, you know, I do that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I like a lot of things. But this has been so perpetually present is because it provides a very physically tangible stress relief to me 
but it is not um it's still an acknowledgement that there are things to be stressed out about so a lot of times whenever something really big and scary is going on as humans will reach for you know something to be utterly distracting but (laughs) i don't want to be utterly distracted constantly i need time to think through the craziness that is this uh semi post-apocalyptic dystopian nightmare situation that we are all still like paying our taxes in it is such (laughs) it is such a weird place to be and the plastic being that through line that connection to it is both relief and observance of right what's going on for me yeah it's like relief but i'm not ignoring the situation yeah. And it's so far out of my control in a lot of different vectors. Not every vector, but a lot of vectors, it's out of our control. And I have to do something with this anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, I, yeah. <laughs> I think we have a lot of similarities in that way. Because, like, in our sort of, like, approach to plastic and how it sort of helps us in a mental health way. Because we're both living in West Virginia. Uh let's just say there's not it's not a flip state or anything like that let's let's just say that and leave that conversation for another day but it's it's not a place where it's like you can really feel your weight in a vote and obviously i'm not an oil executive able to you know stop doing stupid shit but i mean i know i can i can remember whenever i was like those first couple years of being really just aware and extremely guilty and just like everything like I was, like, feeling bad throwing anything away, and I would start hoarding things, like, that I could, like, oh, maybe this is anything I could do anything with, like, you know, pill bottles or any sheet of paper. Like, I genuinely keep kept every single sheet of paper from every single high school class, because I was like, oh, there's something you can do with this. There's not. Yeah. And also, it's paper, so, like, pretty low-level waste comparatively, but still, I was really worried about that. And actually, yeah. like, my AP, when I took AP 3D art my junior year of high school, I ended up basically being all about, like, recycled materials. I was, one, because I was cheap and I was in high school, so I wasn't exactly rich. And also, I was just, like, I just couldn't bring myself to not use, you know, the crap in the room. So it was just, you know, all my stuff was made out of, like, yeah. toothpicks, bubble wrap, and some cardboard boxes from whenever the schools got all those new computers. And that was, like, my entire portfolio. But now, since, like, I'm making with this plastic stuff, there's, like, genuinely, like, that sort of guilt and dread is mitigated a little bit. Like, I've not solved the uh, climate crisis, you know, but at least I can sort of say (laughs) I, today, am bringing, you know, four plastic bags out of pollution. So, like, maybe I just saved a turtle's life. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and I... Yeah, there is that, like, balance of, of where where do you feel enough capacity to do some of the things that you can be personally responsible for, you know? Because, like, you can only hoard so much paper, right? right? 
And also, it became really important to me as soon as I had time to sit down and think really hard about what type of art I wanted to be making. I got separated from my creative community for a while and had a lot of life stuff happen. And then when I came back to it, I was like, okay, cool. Now, what the hell am I about? <laughs> and that was happening roughly at the same time as the pandemic. So it was really a great opportunity <laughs> for me to be like, what the hell are you about? Anyways, and I, because I like so many things, it's really easy for me to flit around topics, but it just got to be really important that the art I was making and the materials specifically that I was using lined up with what I valued because right. for me at that time, art was very optional, mm -hmm. you know? It was yeah. something that I was doing completely outside of trying to make it an income stream. Right. And if you're not, if you are really, really not doing it for the money, like absolutely don't have to be doing it for the money, then it makes you get clear about like, what are we even doing? And I have paints and I have, I have a ton <laughs> of materials. I have so much like like physical art making know-how crammed right. into my little skull and the fact that I've ended up here makes me feel very strange <laughs> right right but it is it's it's like for me it was the distillation of what do I have to work with what does the material I work with say about the type of art I'm producing as a contemporary trained artist, you are encouraged not to ignore the materials. And so then every time I would be like, so exactly how do we make this very fancy purple? You know, hmm, yeah. I, I just kept, kept coming back to like, well, I don't want to stretch brand new canvas that was made this way using all this water doing all like every right. time i would say oh let's learn more about these materials i would be like no as soon as i would go on that deep dive i'd be like no right. everything is ruined <laughs> right? yeah that's totally true it's not only bad for the environment half the time it's you know not good business practices not good labor payment yeah. and all that sort of stuff so it's just like ooh, that feels and i just ooh. i feel really strongly about labor rights i feel really strong <laughs> like all of these things that i value as a sensitive soft fluffy squishy artist <laughs> and if i'm buying my paint that was like made off of some like unsustainable mining practices like i don't want it anymore it's like right. ooh, you know and this is one area that i don't feel like i have to compromise much in i mean like where i get my food from is fraught with compromises but you know, picking my art supplies out of the trash feels really easy. It's like, well, I already brought it here against my will, and it's here, and we might as well use it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and the other thing is that there's this balance of, like, it should not be our personal responsibility to clean up the decisions of huge just unanswerable 
corporations and global forces. But at the same time, doing nothing just is not acceptable to me. Like, doing nothing yeah. at all. So, yeah. the art is one of those things that, you know, we we yeah. can do a little bit of something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if something like this, situ- like this whole environmental situation not being sort of handled appropriately in a lot of ways... If that's not something I can really see my voice being heard by calling it out necessarily, which continue to do that, yes. And supporting organizations who continue to call it out, yes, good. But if that's like just not making as much momentum as possible, just sort of saying, well, I, you know, cussed out Shellcoat on Twitter. That's my work for the day. Gonna go, <laughs> gonna go throw 20 pounds of trash away. Like, it's still a little bit complicit. It's still a little bit like I don't feel good. I mean, for me at least, it's sort of like a I feel like I can do more and I found a way to do more and that really makes me feel good about how my sort of net outcome, like my carbon footprint or whatever that means, my plastic out footprint is possibly going negative, which is very exciting because even if I was using those reusable tote bags religiously it would still be sort of a little bit neutral a little bit positive just with packaging and all that so it just feels great to be able to sort of take what i produce and what others produce and sort of be processing that at least to some capacity yeah and you know you brought up carbon footprint right and that just reminded me of like how what scale just the plastic portion of this environmental crisis is. So I would have to look up the dates of exactly when this rolled out. (laughs) But late 70s, I think, is when there was a big push to reduce carbon emissions because it was clear that we were having problems like remember that whole ozone layer situation which Mm -hmm. i have to say like there are some things that we have been able to tackle yeah and there are some things that have happened it's not like all of the scientists doing good work have not been making an impact because they have you know it's just not enough (laughs) (laughs) but so around that era that decade or so there's a big push of like hey this is a problem and it's unsustainable and so then generally speaking the narrative goes oh well the oil and gas producers the people pulling these fossil fuels out of the ground are not interested in reducing their income from these things right right and also because they are so wealthy and powerful the regulators of the world are not going to tell them to stop flat out because it would, like, you know, mess up the economy and all kinds of other junk, (laughs) right? Right. Uh, How much we care about which economy, uh, debatable, right? But they just decided, well, that's not a real option. But they did start improving emissions in vehicles and fuel efficiency and things like that. But at the same time, and this blows my mind, it completely 
made me so angry once I really figured it out. At the same time, the people who were making vehicles more efficient and all of this stuff were taking the same product that they were pulling out of the ground and not producing less, they were just turning it into petroleum products like plastic. And mm. then, oh my God, they were selling it back to us and continue to sell it back to us as lighter and cheaper than get than glass and other packing materials because it is plastic is lighter yeah. and cheaper flexible durable it's great it's a fantastic material it's just too much of a good thing right <laughs> so all this plastic was like sold back to us as like oh look at these new pepsi bottles they're lightweight you're <laughs> gonna use less fuel you're going to have better fuel efficiency on your shipping <laughs> If you yes. have your packaging be plastic, it's so much more fuel efficient. Look how much fuel you're saving. And meanwhile, they're just putting the plastic, they're just putting the petroleum into the plastic. And I'm like, okay, partly that's kind of genius because it kept a lot of it out of our atmosphere. But now it's here <laughs> in a new bad way. And I'm just yeah. like, could we have just stopped? But no. And there's like this whole campaign. You can look up YouTube videos of it called Plastics Make It Possible. I think that was happening in the late 80s, early 90s. And like there's like all of these little scenes where like you're in a home and the baby is looking at the soda bottle and then it knocks the soda bottle over. But then the soda bottle doesn't break. And it's like, woo, yay, plastics. <laughs> and then there are like all sorts of like con... Um, hospital context where it's like plastics make it possible so and so has a new heart or something and it's just like seeing that come together for me realizing that it was just a really deliberate manipulation over time to allow the people pulling fossil fuels out of the ground to continue right. pulling fossil fuels out of the ground in an increasing rate forever and ever was just, oh, that was just heartbreaking. And I remember those things being on TV, you know, and they probably contributed to my perspective of like, we're going to fix this with science, you know? Mm, it was a rebrand. It was a really successful rebrand of, oh, you don't like it? Uh now it's good it's different it's it's good now it's, it's different like, it's different you made it into an object so it's fine now right <laughs> yeah oh god yeah so the the campaigns around this are just and i'm sure there are more but that was the one that i identified and i was like those mm, those oh so many expletives those oh those people and i've actually <laughs> talked to some people some people older than me who worked to make this happen feeling like this was a good thing that we did. And they're probably right. It probably was the good thing to do at the time, but now it's not. And it hasn't been for some time. And it seems like we're just not going to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sort of like Band-Aid or like maybe like a sort of transition area solution maybe. Something that like we could yeah. do for five years and then drop. But instead of doing yeah. that, we – kept it and doubled it and doubled it and doubled it yep yep yeah it's like all so many of the problems that i feel on a regular basis coming up through the plastic work that i do like i spend a lot of physical time like it's just me 
sitting with a couple of very, very rudimentary hand tools most of the time and just like stitching or crocheting or rug hooking. And I have so much time to think. (laughs) (laughs) That... And it and those in those moments, it's just like, wow, yeah, it's like that that meme that was going like, hey, let's take this trauma, double it and pass it down to the next generation. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, let's take this petroleum industry, double it and hand it down to the next generation. It's like, stop. (laughs) No, no, we're going to deal with this now. (laughs) Speaking of the art making. Uh, how does this sort of dread present itself in your stuff? Because I know at this point, I think I'm kind of subconsciously trying to sort of drown out that sort of inner monologue of, you know, oh, right, the world's going to end by 2045, according to some projections. So I just like, you know, have YouTube on or something like I have something like I'm trying to sort of mentally overload myself because once I become mm-hmm. present, I know I start shutting down like. I think I talked about it on the last episode. I had this idea where I was going to, you know, use those old container, like those food containers from Walmart and stuff. And it was going to be great. And I loved it. I got like halfway through like the trial piece for that. And it wasn't working out. So then I just stopped making plastic for a few days because I just could not deal with it. Because like I already cleaned out and I already had it ready. So many of these product packaging. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to work. And it didn't work. And then it's like, do I have to now throw away all this stuff and I sort of and I just failed and now I'm just gonna make and it's just gonna go right into the trash and all that you know and that sort of dread yeah. about it so I just shut down for like a week of making what about you <laughs> yeah I definitely hit stuff like that and I have stashes of like UFOs that I haven't given up on but I don't know what to do with them next. Um, Also, like, the subject matter, I I think I tried, I tried making exactly one piece that was both made of the material and about the anxiety around what was going on. And it came out really well, but at the same time, it didn't feel like a solution-oriented thing. It felt like a complainy thing. Right. And I think that one of the reasons that I'm making so much stuff out of plastic and the stuff I make out of plastic is so pretty in my case is that I think the undercurrent of dread is enough and I'm just trying to be like, I'm very... <laughs> I, I look at celebration and joy and... Um, good vibes, etc. Like the cultivation of rest and stuff as like a radical act at this point because it's so hard to be joyful and to notice those moments. So I make lots of pretty stuff. Not so that I don't (laughs) think about the plastic because one thing that I do do with most of my pieces is that I don't like I don't get rid of the printed images on the plastic bags i try to leave some trace of the fact that it is plastic right for sure yeah yeah and like recycled plastic not just whatever um (laughs) 
And I just think that that undercurrent of dread feels like enough because I just, I'm constantly feeling like, oh, I'm just at the, (laughs) I'm at the closing party for the earth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm dancing at the end of the world. Like, if things are bad and you only have limited control over the situation and you're doing what you can, worrying and being upset more is not helpful. In fact, what might be more productive is, like, trying to get a good mood doing because sometimes like if you're if you can shake off some of that horrible sadness you can come up with something you didn't think of before that might actually help right you know so so yeah but no i will get into like (sighs) there are so many pieces i've had arguments with and we're just still not on good terms (laughs) Like I feel like it's a yeah. fight because I spend so much time with the with the individual things I work on, and like sometimes we have a fight, and I'm just like, I can't just sustain that joy. It is right. really it really does take a certain amount of energy to have enough optimism and just like relentless hope to make something out of yes. this garbage that could be cool. Yeah relentlessly optimistic is is what i aspire to like to the point where it's almost annoying you know yeah Yeah. i want to be borderline annoying but yeah (laughs) no i'm i'm constantly in a fight with various objects in my house we just (laughs) we just have to we we take some time to cool off and then i check on them later and i'm like nope still hate you Yeah, I, oh gosh i definitely get that it's so like a many. weird different artist block because there's the artist block like the standard artist block but then there's like artist like, what block do I say? B. like there's the yeah i don't even know how to like describe it besides like this like dread fighty thing it's like this is it's like artist block but instead of the block being I just have this canvas and I can come back to it in a couple months and it's just going to be a plain canvas and I'm good to go and blah, blah, blah. It's sort of like, there's a grenade or there's like, it's artist block, but your artist block is sort of working with this poison, basically. Like there's some, I'm having artist block with black mold right now, please. Thank you. Yeah. It's, there is a poisonous aspect to it. Yeah. There's just such a poisonous aspect to it. And if you're working, That's such a good analogy because <laughs> whenever you're making something like if you were an alchemist or a chemist of some kind like, or, uh-huh. you know, any kind of crafter, there are dangerous aspects to every craft. Right. Uh, even if you're just talking about stabbing yourself on accident with a needle. Right. <laughs> any any crafts that require a, a significant amount of skill do have certain risks. And I feel like maybe we don't always talk about the emotional risks of working in a certain medium with a certain series of concepts and i feel like that the emotional baggage with our bags the bag baggage (laughs) the bag baggage is something you have to be careful not to spill on yourself like i feel like sometimes i get a corrosive burn Right. Right. Like, oh no, the acid got out and now it's <laughs> infecting my brain and I really just need to stop and I need to go get a cup of tea and do something very different for a few hours or days because I can't yeah. deal with this right now. Absolutely. And 
it can't be isolated to the art making. Like, I feel like with some things, like, you know, I'm not vibing with, you know, pottery or whatever. I don't know. You can sort of take a step away and then, you know, you can go to the store and get groceries or go get coffee. And there's not like the, oh, I see pottery. I am, I am really inspiring because they had a piece that I, they had a mug at the coffee shop. Whereas with the plastic yeah. stuff, it just, it does sort of, sort of seep into daily life. Like anytime I unpackage anything, I sort of like, you know, like the toilet paper roll packaging, like sort of like, okay, so I can't melt this plastic, but I could use it for stuffing. So I should probably save this or I'm going to the grocery store. And part of my thing is whenever I'm like choosing between two products, it's like, okay, this one could be usable. How many bags do I take? Sort of like those sort of weird added checks. It's not just, I like the flavor of this and this one is, you know, produced ethically. It's also the container. How do I feel about the milk jug or whatever? Yeah, I have um, similar situations because in the area we live, in the context that we have around us, it is impossible to feed myself and my family without encountering right. plastic. It's just not, it's <laughs> impossible. And you could say, oh, well, you could do this and you could do that. It's not, it's not impossible in the sense of never, but it is impossible in a very practical sense. And every time I get a bag of potatoes, I'm like, great. <laughs> Great. Excellent. I have this bag of potatoes. Ugh, and now what am I going to do with the bag of potatoes? And those bags, I don't really like them for their color, so I have to give myself permission to, you know, like, recycle it or throw it away. And that happens with, like, the milk jug, with the pickle jars. Where I live does not Oof. recycle glass. So every time I get a jar of pickles, yay, it's glass, not plastic. And then it's like, and I'm going to put it in the trash bag where with the plastic where it's going to go to landfill and it doesn't matter that it's recyclable because where I am, I can't do that. So wonderful, you know, and every time it is a, it's a, it's a feat of compartmentalization not to suddenly start keeping everything that you come across. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know that we could talk about this and other subjects. Like there are so many different avenues for potential, like (laughs) big, sad. (laughs) Yeah. Undercurrents to the work because you know, there there are a lot of ways that the plastic ties to different aspects like social, environmental, political, all of the things because it has been become such um, a yeah, widespread an epidemic and a symbol in some ways of a lot of different things and issues that yeah. we I mean, if we were just talking at once, it could be hours of conversation and it could just go back and round in circles, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, part of me feels like this this episode is just to nod to expect this bubbling up in a variety of ways over time. Because, frankly, the art we make is about a lot of things. It's a good opportunity for conversation on a lot of different subjects. And the material is super fun mm-hmm. to work with. I, I, lo- I love it. 
I love working with it. And it's just kind of like we have been doing episodes that somewhat skirt around the the everything is neon, <laughs> everything is dead vibe <laughs> of <laughs> of like what this work really means to do and engage with and what this material means to engage with. So I could go on for quite a bit, but I, th- I think we've covered a lot of the connections, at least on the environmental yeah. end of the world vector it's a topic we'll come back to you know occasionally not too much it's not a podcast designed to be sort of doomsday depressing it's if anything trying to avoid that while acknowledging it so sort of it will we'll be talk we'll talk about this more in different facets diving deeper on certain things but i feel like this was a sort of good way to sort of introduce that side of this and sort of the most plain surface level sort of things that are really coming to mind every time we're looking at our materials and what the final products look like. Yeah. So like acknowledge the doom, don't fall in. Just know that it's there. Just stay <laughs> out of the pit. <laughs> Note <laughs> it like we're putting up <laughs> caution signs around it. It's there. It's mm. very much there. And this is definitely about that, but don't don't go climbing down there. It's bad. <laughs> On that delightful note, how's your plastic supply going? Oh my gosh, it's going so well. And I found out a new thing. Um, so, you know, there are mainly two types of mesh bags that produce come in. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is kind of really flexible. You see it more with, like, oranges and stuff, and it looks more like netting. Yeah. And then then there's this other one that's really rigid and has, like, pretty... It has fibers at right angles to each other. Right. Um, I've seen it on some of those, like, small potato... Like, you know, the little quick-cooked potato bags and things like that. Sometimes I see lemons and limes packaged that way. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is that that really sturdy grid right. is I can rug hook directly into that. Ooh. And I'm so excited. Mm. So now I can do rug work that is 100% plastic. So oh, wow. the stuff that has exact grids, like <laughs> 90 degree angle grids that aren't like stretchy, but is a mesh oh my gosh, if anybody has that stuff, send it to me because this is super exciting. I wonder if you could do like that latch hooking stuff with that. Is that rug making? Is that how that works? Yeah, well, that's a different method, but it's still rug making. And the latch hooking stuff works better with the squishy mesh, but I haven't figured out how to frame it really well. But yes, latch hooking, but I'm not there yet. Not there yet. How about your stock? How how is your stocko bags? Um, it's doing well. I'm I'm hoping to, you know, start really wiping some stuff out in preparation for some upcoming events and stuff, but I'm not being able to make the dent I expected to just because I've been busy with planning for grad school and stuff. By the way, in case anyone's curious, I'm going to Duquesne for public history. I got fully funded. Woo! Woo! Yay! Yay! I would like blue. I'm just feeling like I need to force myself to use the prettier colors because I feel in some way on somehow to this topic responsible to use the brown gray and white almost exclusively so i need to force myself 
to use the pretty colors that make me feel better. So, blue. <laughs> blue. All right. Blue bags. Blue bags and the 90-degree angle mesh thingies. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to find out the industry term for that at some point. Oh, that's probably but I just idea. I just figured this out this weekend, and I'm super happy. <laughs> I wonder if you'd work with fishing, like fishing net stuff with that. Ooh, I bet. Because that could be big. That could be big because if you can use actual fishing nets because that, that's a major pollutant. Anyways, yeah. let's not let's not get in the hole yet right now. <laughs> let's not. Oh, is that the hole? That's the hole. <laughs> yep, the hole. <laughs> that's the hole. Thanks for listening. You can find Domenica on Instagram at madartsy. That's M-A-D-A-R-T-S-C-I. And Griffin on Instagram at North River Art. That's N-O-R-T-H-R-I-V-E-R-A-R-T. If you would like to contribute any interesting or colorful plastic bags to our projects, please mail them to Plasticity Podcast. P.O. Box 7379, Cross Lanes, West Virginia, 25313.